conclusion of Yolopoli. I love it. This is a mashup series where we have blended together the word YOLO and Monopoly. Yolopoli. What's up now? YOLO meaning you only live once, which is kind of a pop phrase that's in our culture today, kind of representing a mindset that a lot of people have in terms of, uh, of the, their life and the decisions that they're making. And so we've kind of collided YOLO with Monopoly, making one new word, YOLOPOLY, which is basically examining our mindset about our money. Boom! Well, this is our concluding uh, weekend for the Yolopoli series. This is also a holiday weekend. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. A belated Thanksgiving to all of you. And I couldn't help but think uh, this weekend as we were going through our Thanksgiving about how uh, the game of Monopoly is a bit of a staple in terms of a lot of our holidays. I know for me as a kid, and I know my wife has told stories as well, uh, you know, of this idea that, uh, you know, family holidays were always about, you know, at some point you would play the game of Monopoly. And so I actually have a game board up here because um, I, I was reminded of this this weekend with the holiday, you know, just thinking about this whole idea of, of so many times of being a little kid, you know, and just the family, uh, well, the first word that comes to mind is fights. Uh, arguments, crying, yelling, screaming, fun, really, is what it was. A lot of those holidays were just a whole lot of fun, playing Monopoly. <laughs> I hear my wife tell stories of, like, her cousins, you know, tipping the board and yelling. And, of course, me and Sarah and I are both, you know, younger siblings. And so watching, you know, our older cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents, you know, just, like, be upset. And it, was, it didn't take me long as a kid, honestly, to figure this whole deal out that what happens on the game board doesn't just affect what happens on the game board. That it affects more than the game board. And like people would be mad about what happened on the game board and it would, they would still be mad three hours later. At the, come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you're upset, and your cousins are mad. or what? And I remember as a little kid, like, watching this deal. It was crazy because Sarah and I went to one of her family reunions a couple years ago out on Fort Myers Beach. Her, a bunch of her family flew in, and we we're all out there hanging out. And one of her cousins is still mad at her grandpa for the way he beat her at Monopoly all those years. Like, okay, so here's, here's the point. And what we're going to talk about in this conclusion of the Yolopoly series is what happens on the game board affects more than just the game board. Because what I believe is true of Monopoly is also true of the way we handle our personal finances. That what happens in how we play the game of Monopoly in our life matters beyond just this life. It, it, it matters when all of the pieces of our life go back in the box, so to speak. That can be a little morbid, but go with me, okay? When all of the pieces of our life go back into the box at the end of our life, what we have to realize, and what I believe the Bible is clear on, is that how we spend our money, what we do with the money we've been entrusted with in this life, matters. And that's called a legacy. And so in this last installment of our Yolopoli series, we're talking about leaving a legacy. Leaving a legacy. And I want us to look at four particular legacy mindsets, if you will, this weekend. Four legacy mindsets or four kinds of legacy. And if you have your bulletin uh, in all of our services, you fold it all the way out on the inside left flap, you'll find uh, some fill in the blanks. It's just your way of being able to follow along with my train of thought over the next few minutes as we talk about four kinds of legacy that I believe we leave and that we as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that we are, 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 that we must attend to, that we must 
be thinking about? What are those legacies? Because the reality is how we play the game of money now matters later. It matters for more than just the game we're playing in this moment. And that's what we're going to be talking about. So if you have your bulletins, I would love for you to, to follow along there uh, and, and track with me as we talk about four kinds of legacy. The first kind of legacy that I want us to look at in all of our services this weekend, and number one is, is what I would call a heavenly legacy. A heavenly legacy. See, when we study the Bible, what we discover is, and, and Jesus actually makes quite clear, as well as so many others, that, that this life is not all there is. Uh, we live in a world that wants to convince us and tries to convince us that it is. That, that we should, YOLO, you only live once. That, that do whatever you want, whatever feels right, whatever you think you should do because YOLO, you only live once. And so you only go around the game board once. You only play the game of life one time. And yet the Bible says the exact opposite. That the truth is what, Matt, what happens here, yes, we only go around and play this game on earth once, but the decisions we make, the choices we make, and how we steward the money that God has put into our life affects not just what happens now on this earth, but it affects and, and, and has effect in heaven. Jesus actually talked about this in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, it's interesting because Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are known as the Sermon on the Mount. Basically, this, this moment in time where it actually captures uh, one of the largest, uh, you know, single settings of the teachings of Jesus found anywhere in Scripture. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is on this mountainside teaching thousands and thousands of people have come out to hear him talk about all of these things. And he's teaching about so many different areas of life. And of course, one of the areas that Jesus is not shy to talk about or teach on is our earthly possessions, our money, our resources, that which God has entrusted to us. And, and so in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 20, 21, we get to peer in, to look over Jesus' shoulder as he's teaching about this idea of leaving a heavenly legacy. Let's begin reading. Verse 19 says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin, love that word, vermin, destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's why. For where your treasure is, Jesus says, there your heart will be also. In other words, there is a direct connection between our heart, the center of our being, our focus, and how we spend our money, how we leverage or use our money. And so if, if our treasure is here on earth, if we're storing up treasure here on earth, then our heart will be drawn toward here on earth. But if we are storing up treasure in heaven, then our heart will be drawn heavenward. That what we do on this game board called our life matters for eternity. That what we do ma now matters then. How we live, how we serve, how we give. The impact we choose to make when we leverage our earthly finances doesn't just affect the game we play now. It affects all of eternity as well. I was thinking about this this week and trying to, to think about a, a, an illustration of this. And I came up with this thought. And I think this, some of us, well, many of us will be able to relate to this, that my wife and I, of course, as many of us who are listening this weekend, uh, have, have lived in, you know, rental houses at different times in our marriage. And, you know, we, of course, not 
loving penitentiary white, which is kind of the standard issue wall color of a lot of rental places, will oftentimes upgrade, you know, will paint walls and so forth. Uh, but, but okay, so, so here's the thing. If someone is living in a rental house and they decide to upgrade it, and not just paint the walls, but like add on a room or maybe they add on a swimming pool or they, you know, they change all of the landscaping on the outside and put all of this, invest all of this stuff to, to upgrade this rental house. Here's the thing. When they move out of that rental house, they're out. Like what they, like if you add a swimming pool to your rental property, guess what? When you leave, you don't get anything for that. The landlord's probably like high-fiving you, thanking you for helping him, but you're on your own, buddy. Like, get that right? Okay, converse that with upgrading a home that you own. That if you own your home and you, you know, add on a bedroom or add on a home office or upgrade the outside or add on a swimming pool, okay, when you move out of that house, what you put in gets credited to you and in the sale of the, the price or the, you know, the purchase price can go up. You added value to the next house that you buy. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about the fact that when you and I store up treasure, upgrade the rental house known as this life on this earth, what happens here stays here. But when you and I invest in heavenly causes, we store up and we create a heavenly legacy that lasts for all of eternity. Now, let me pause for a second and, and bring one distinction to this. This is an important note that we have to get. What we're talking about here in terms of, you know, creating a heavenly, eternal legacy, I'm not talking about um, doing good things and being generous and, you know, doing, performing good deeds in order to earn our way into heaven. That's a whole different deal. See, this is, not, this is not a salvation issue. We don't, and there are some religions out there that would teach us that the way to get to heaven is by doing good works or being generous or giving or living generously. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. In terms of getting into heaven, that is a faith issue. That is, that is a faith issue of, being, of putting our faith in Jesus Christ and saying, I am a sinner and I receive the free gift of grace in Jesus Christ. And that alone is what saves me. That alone is my salvation. That alone is my guarantee, if you will, of heaven. What I'm talking about is the rewards we get when we get there. That's what generosity and giving and good deeds does is it stores up for us treasure in heaven once we get there. So we're talking about leaving a legacy with our money. How we play the game now matters then. And the first kind of legacy is a heavenly legacy. The second kind of legacy that I want to talk about this weekend is what I would call a family legacy. Number two is a family legacy. Of course, if you've been around Next Level Church for any period of time, you know that around here we're, we're big Dave Ramsey fans, that we really, we like Dave Ramsey, we love his teaching, and if you're not familiar with Dave Ramsey, we've got some books out there uh, that will just, Dave is a guy who just loves to help. He's a, has a daily radio show all over the nation, just incredible, loves helping millions and millions of people order their finances right and live in, 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 a, in a healthy, abundant mindset with their finances. Well, I actually had an opportunity in October at a conference in Atlanta. Uh, there were about 10,000 people there, and Dave Ramsey spoke. I got to hear him speak again, and this time he spoke with his 25-year-old daughter, Rachel, and it was so cool to watch them teach together. And so it started out, and, and Dave started out the talk, and he began to describe his life before he hit rock bottom. 
And Dave was a guy who right out of college began to get involved in the real estate market back in the 80s. And he made a great deal of money and kind of rode the thing all the way to the top. And then the bank changed hands. And all of a sudden, one thing led to another. And they started to call his notes. And before he knew it, in a matter of two years, he and his wife had hit rock bottom and lost everything and had declared bankruptcy. And Dave stood on this stage in front of 10,000 people with his daughter standing across the stage from him. And told the story of how in the early years of his marriage and of his life, he was not leaving a legacy for his family that he was proud of. But once they hit rock bottom, in the same year they hit rock bottom, his daughter Rachel was born. And so the minute he described that he wasn't leaving a strong, a healthy family a legacy toward money, until he hit rock bottom, his daughter picks up. And she says, but that's not the dad I knew. The dad and mom I grew up with were ones who honored God with their finances. And she began to describe over the last 25 years of her life watching financial guru Dave Ramsey and how he handled money. And she began to describe the legacy that he left her and her brother and sister as well instead. That instead of a legacy of stress and indebtedness and bankruptcy and marital issues and struggles and difficulties and creditors calling and all that comes with that type of lifestyle, instead she described to 10,000 people listening, she said, I watched my dad and mom leave a, a legacy toward money that, was, that has changed my life and has changed our family tree forever. And I couldn't help but, but hear that in October. And of course, knowing this series was coming and thinking about the fact, uh, even as a, as a dad of two boys, myself thinking, what legacy are we leaving, parents? What legacy are we leaving toward money in terms uh, of our children, our family? Is it a legacy of, of stress and indebtedness and, and, a, and a poverty mindset? Or is it, is it a legacy of, of hope? Is it a legacy of living within our means? Is it a legacy of, of living within margin and, and not spending more than we make? Is it a legacy of, 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 of peace? Is it a legacy of joy? Or is it a legacy of stress? What legacy? Come on, parents. What legacy are we leaving? What would our kids say? What are they watching in us? What are they seeing in us? Because let's be honest, we're all leaving a family legacy toward money. For some of us, we're leaving a legacy that says money is a necessary evil. Money is a bad thing. Money, there's never enough. Everybody else always has more than we have. Or are we leaving a legacy that says God's our provider and he's blessed us so much and we're living within our means and we live on a budget and we, we, we got this thing and we're honoring God in our finances. What kind of legacy are we leaving for our family? I don't think it's a coincidence that this weekend is sort of the beginning of the Christmas season. Black Friday, what up? Okay, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. And listen, here's what I believe. I, I feel so strongly about this this weekend. I believe that there are some of us who are listening this weekend, parents, and you need to change the story that your family is telling concerning money now. This Christmas needs to be the one that you look back on and go, that was the moment everything changed. Some of us parents, we need to sit down with our kids and tell them, guess what, kids? We're not doing Christmas this year the way we've always done it in the past. We're not going into debt 
for stuff we don't really need and stuff we don't really want to impress people we don't really know and to have stuff that in two months we're going to forget we even have and it's going to live under our bed for the next year. Listen, this year we're breaking it. We're changing that story. We're going to establish a different legacy. Some of us, we need this weekend, you need to leave church this weekend and you need to go sit down with your kids and tell them, kids, we're not going to do it that way this year. We're going to change the story, the legacy that our family has concerning money. Parents, listen, for some of us, the best thing we could do with our kids is include them on the journey. Because some of us, our kids can feel the stress. They can feel the tension at home. They can feel the dynamic that has been created because of the decisions that we have made concerning our personal finances. And some of us, the best thing we could do with our kids is to sit them down this week and say, kids, guess what? Up until this point, we have lived our life financially a certain way, and it has not gotten us the results that we wanted. But starting now, starting today, your mom and I, your dad and I, or whatever, from this point on, our family is going to start leaving a different legacy than we have ever had before. And it's going to hurt a little bit, and it's going to be tight a little bit, and work, but we're going to make changes because from this point on, we're going to change the story in terms of the legacy of our family on a financial level. I'm telling you, parents, some of you, you need to take your kids along with you on this financial journey. Why? Because whether we want to admit it or not, we're leaving a legacy. The question is, what legacy will we leave with our family? The third legacy that we need to talk about this weekend, and I think as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we must keep an eye on is what I would call a sowing legacy, a sowing legacy. See, when you study the Bible, what we discover is that throughout the pages of the Bible, back into the Old Testament, all the way into the New Testament, the teaching of Jesus, the teaching of the apostles, all the way back to, to David and Solomon, all the way through the Bible, you, we see this principle of sowing and reaping. Now, of course, that's not a, a new concept for most all of us, I'm sure, because in our world today, we kind of hear those words, you know, sowing and reaping, whatever. Okay, but here's what we have to understand. Sowing and reaping is actually a very uh, scriptural, biblical principle. And it's laced all the way through the teachings of Jesus. And, and I, I want us to talk about this idea that there is a direct correlation between the seed that we sow and the harvest we get in our life. There's a direct correlation between the seed we sow and the harvest we get in our life. And of course, Jesus taught about this and the Apostle Paul taught about this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this. I love this. Look what he says. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly or is stingy will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So the Apostle Paul is dry, drawing this, not a, connect, a dotted line, a solid line between that which we sow and that which we reap. In the book of Proverbs, the, the writer of Proverbs 11 says it this way, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly. He's stingy. He, he keeps it. He hoards it. He has a, it's a poverty mentality and comes to poverty. The, the, the writer of Proverbs is like, hey, this is backward to the world's thinking. The world says if you want more, you have to be stingy. You have to keep it all for yourself. But that kind of person comes to poverty. But there's someone who sows, who, who gives freely, who sows seed, who ends up gaining even more. 
And so the sowing and reaping thing is, is all over Scripture. And, and I'll be honest with you, I feel like I know a lot about this because I grew up in Indiana. And in Indiana, come on, Hoosiers, in Indiana, there are lots and lots of cornfields. And outside of my house, we had all kinds of just, uh, just field after field, miles and miles and miles of cornfields and bean fields all around my house. And so I feel like as a kid from Indiana, I grew up learning about this idea of sowing and reaping. I had lots of friends who were farmers. And so I got to see this, which, by the way, here's a little piece of free advice. If you're a kid in Indiana and your dad says, hey, you want a summer job detasseling corn? Just say no. <laughs> don't do it. I'm telling you, do not, you, do, you don't want to detassel corn. I don't even really understand what that means because I did it like a half a day and I'm like, this is horrible. I don't want to do this. And I went home and I slept in my basement the rest of the summer. Awesome. Okay. Now, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Here you go. Here's, here's the thing, though, that, that growing up in Indiana, I learned real quick about this idea of sowing and reaping. The first one uh, is this. You get what you plant. That if you plant corn, you harvest, you reap corn. If you plant soybeans, you harvest, you reap soybeans. That you, you get whatever seed you sow. You harvest the seed that you sow. The second thing I learned is that you have to sow seed before you can reap a harvest that you can't sow and reap in the same season, that you would plant the seed in the spring and then you would harvest in the fall. And it, listen, some of us need to understand this in terms of our, our personal financial position that we're in uh, in our life. In 20-somethings, listen, let me speak to you for a second, or teenagers. Here's why, because some of us are looking at people who are in a harvesting season of their life when we are in a seed sowing season of our life and we're comparing ourselves to them going, I wish, why am I not further along? Why am I not uh, going? Okay, listen, you, there are seed sowing seasons of our life and then there are harvesting seasons of our life. And when we compare ourselves in a seed sowing season to uh, uh, someone else who's in a harvesting season, we work with a lot of pastors and church planners and leaders. Same thing is true that there, there are seasons where a church goes through that are kind of seed sowing years, seed sowing seasons. And then there are harvest seasons. Well, when we compare a seed sowing season to a harvest season, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to, you're going to get depressed. You're going to, it's not going to feel right. Why? Because you can't plant and harvest in the same. You don't go out and plant corn and then be like, all right, see you in four hours. It doesn't work that way. That's not the way sowing and reaping works, that there are seasons and then there are long stretches between the sowing season and the harvest season. And listen, some of us need to understand that. Stop comparing yourself to someone who's in a different season financially or whatever then you're in. It matters. And, and here's the third thing I learned uh, growing up in Indiana with knee-high by the 4th of July. That's how we describe the corn. Okay, here's what I learned. It takes faith. Sowing seed takes faith. You know why? Because there is no guarantee. When we sow seed for a harvest, there's no guarantee that the harvest is going to be there. Birds can come and snatch it away, whatever, like wind or a storm. Any number of things can happen. But when it leaves our hand and becomes seed in the ground, there's, there's no guarantee. And it takes faith. And here's what I want us to understand. This is such a, such a powerful principle that financially we've got to get. We have to understand this in terms of how we handle our personal finances. Because see, so, so many people believe, well, when I receive, when I harvest, when I get, then I'll sow seed. And, and yes, that's true, but that's only half of the equation. That, that's the obedience part. That's the tithe. That's what we're talking about. When I receive, 
then I honor God. I give God the first 10%. That's the obedience piece of the equation when I receive. But that's not it. If that's all we ever do in terms of, of our generosity, then we will have missed an entire, a whole other section in terms of how God wants us to honor him and trust him in our finances. There is a seed sowing part where you give in advance of the harvest. That honoring God with the tithe is the obedience half. The other half is the seed sowing half where you say, God, there's no guarantee, but Lord, I'm believing for a harvest in this area of my life. I'm believing for increase in this area of my life. And so God, I'm going to sow seed in advance of with no guarantee that the harvest will actually come. And that is what stretches our faith. I'm telling you, if you've never understood or really practiced this, this idea of sowing and reaping in your life, I'm telling you, it will stretch your faith like nothing else can. Tithing, being obedient with the increase and then giving God the first, that stretches our faith a certain degree. But to, uh, there's a whole nother level. I'm just telling you, when we embrace this idea of sowing seed in advance of, with no guarantee, of the harvest. And as I look over the nearly two decades of, of Sarah and I's marriage, I want you to know, listen, this is one of those principles that for us has been such a difference maker. So many times, whenever we have some area of our life where we have a need or we, we want to see increase come in some relational area or some breakthrough area of our life, the first thing we always say is, okay, God, then we're going to sow seed. What seed do you want us to sow in advance of the harvest we're believing for in our life. For example, a few years ago when we were building this building, uh, of course, we we're raising money from the church side of things or whatever, and the home that Sarah and I were living in, our family, uh, was a rental property. And so we knew, you know, we had a, a dream in our heart to, you know, believe God to, to get a home of our own that we could purchase, whatever. And so, uh, and so we honestly, we're, we weren't even looking. Like, we were just kind of doing our deal, whatever. And so when it came to, you know, this side of taking care of God's house, so corn, get corn, That'll, that'll hit you in a second. Okay, so we said, okay, well, God, what kind of seed do you want us to sow in advance of, with no guarantee of, the harvest in terms of our personal life, the increase we would love to see in terms of owning our home? And we felt like the Lord told us to really, really stretch. And so a few years ago, man, we, really, we just really stretched, and we sowed a big-time seed, and it was crazy because, again, we weren't even looking for a house, and then all of a sudden, within a year, like out of nowhere, God dropped the home we're living in now, like this incredible home. At, a, at a, We stole that. Like it was like we got such an incredible deal on that. Like it was ridiculous what God did. And for us, for me, listen, I'm just telling you my story. Listen, here's what I believe. I believe there's something to that. I believe that the sowing and reaping principle is so prominent in Scripture that it's not a mistake. It's not an accident. If it is how God wants to, us to stretch our faith and trust Him and believe Him for the harvest, the increased areas of our life. Does that make sense? Yes, that sowing thing is such a big deal. So the question is, what kind of sowing legacy are we leaving? Because I think it matters. I think it matters for us to consider the sowing legacy God wants us to leave. And the fourth legacy that I think it's important for us to tend to and to, to be aware of is what I would call a living legacy. A living legacy. Here's what I mean by that. Every single day of our lives is a legacy building day. In other words, every day when we wake up, we have the choice of the legacy that we will leave. Our legacy will one day become the sum total of the decisions that we have made on a daily basis. Every single day, you guys, we are forming a legacy that we will one day leave for others. So the question for us is, what kind of legacy do we hope that we're going to leave one day? 
what do we want other people to say about us in terms of our finances, in terms of how we handle our money? Do we want people to one day look on and say, wow, that guy sure was self-absorbed. Man, that couple, they always lived just, you know, paycheck to paycheck, and they barely, you know, they always, boy, they always were just right on the edge of just destruction. Or do we want the legacy that we leave, the stuff people say about us to be, wow, they always were generous. Man, they always lived with such margin that when a need arose, they were always the first ones to jump in and help people or were in need or whatever. Like, like what kind of legacy do we want to leave? Because here's what I would contend. I would contend that every single day is a living legacy. Is another decision that we make with our finances that matters. What happens on the game board affects more than just the game board. What kind of legacy are we leaving? As we conclude the, the weeks of this Yolopoli series, I, I would challenge us with four simple questions around how we're playing our game of money in our life right now. The first question is centers around the heavenly legacy. Are we putting God first? The, the, the starting point of leaving a heavenly legacy is putting God first. Giving God the first 10%, that obedience piece of the equation. Are we doing that? That's where a heavenly legacy begins. Our family legacy. The question I would pose to us as we conclude this series this weekend is, what kind of legacy are we leaving? What are, our, what are we teaching our kids? No, no, no. What are our kids catching? in terms of our approach, our perspective toward money. How are our kids seeing us play the game? It matters. It matters. A heavenly legacy. Family legacy. A sowing legacy. Are we sowing seed? Are we embracing that principle of sowing and reaping? Or are we playing it safe? Keeping the seed in the barn? We'll never get the harvest we want as long as the seed stays in the barn. And then, of course, a heavenly legacy, a family legacy, a sow, sowing legacy. And then the final question I guess I would pose to every one of us as we conclude this series is concerning a living legacy. Every roll of the dice, every move that we make on the game board matters. It's saying something about us? Are we leaving the kind of living legacy that we want to leave? If not, here's the good news. We can. We can. Starting right now, starting today, we don't ever have to be the same. We don't ever have to approach the game of money the same again. So here's what I want us to do in all of our services. I want to pray for us. I want to ask God to bless us financially and cause us to make the decisions we need to make as we go from this place that from now on we'll change the story we tell and the legacy we leave. Can we bow our heads together every service? God, thank you. Thank you for the legacy that you've given us the ability to leave. And God, I pray for so many of us who look on at the legacy that we've been leaving 
and we don't really like it. God, we're not really too happy about the story that our financial decisions have made up to this point. And so God, we confess that in this moment. And Lord, I pray and thank you that in this moment, from now on, we get to change the story. We're going to change the legacy that we leave. Heavenly legacy, family legacy, seed sowing legacy, daily legacy. God, we're going to change the story. God, give us the courage to make those decisions, to have those conversations, to address it, to do whatever it takes to tell a different story from the game of money that we're playing. Father, thank you for the courage that it takes for us to do what we need to do, to leave a different legacy. Father, I thank you for so many who understand these principles and who get this and are, are leaving the kind of legacy you want them to leave. God, you're, you're blessing them, Lord. You're happy. You're smiling over them this weekend. And I pray just continued blessing over the financial area of every single one of our lives. God, may we honor you in this game of money that you're allowing us to play. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone in every service who agreed said, Amen.